welcome to Ochenta Stories. Recorded in bedrooms, living rooms, closets, and balconies in quarantine around the world. Artists, writers, creators, podcasters, and more answer the question, what do you want to hear when this pandemic is over? And for the very last time, I'm your host this week, Luis Lopez. I first heard about Ochenta Stories sometime in late April or early May of 2020. I was living in Chicago, just a few weeks shy of finishing my master's degree in arts journalism. The excitement I had shown earlier at the prospect of new opportunities, of new projects to put my skills to use, of new teams to join, had become clouded once we went into lockdown. With museums and concert halls and theaters and every other artistic venue closed until further notice, I was a little pessimistic about my options. Then I heard about a new audio fellowship offered by Studio Ochenta, and I auditioned, but not before checking out the podcast for which they were holding auditions, of course, a project by the name of Ochenta Stories. The first time I opened it, there was only one episode in the feed. The bus. And when I listened to it, I was blown away. The story, where the main character hops on a bus to visit her younger self, is set in Scotland. But when I heard it, the bus from the story took me back to Mexico with my loved ones. I felt that this was exactly the kind of thing I needed to hear at a time when I was alone and far from home. I ultimately wasn't chosen for the fellowship, by the way. But I would soon realize it was all for the best. Only a few months later, I was brought to work on a couple of Ochenta shows, and then, eventually, I became a full team member, collaborating with amazing people all around the world to bring you the stories we love, and that we're sure you'll love as well. It's honestly one of the best things that's ever happened to me, and in a way, it all started with that first episode. Now. We've reached episode 80, and this week, we hear the story of Ochenta Stories, as told by everyone who worked on the production of this show. You've already heard enough from me, so in this episode you'll hear producers Maru Lombardo, Clitia Sala, Chiara Santella, Haley Choi, Zeina Abul Makarem, and of course, our CEO and founder, Lori Martinez, who starts us off with how this project came to be in the first place. And now, without further ado, farewell by the team behind Ochenta Stories. I came up with this idea when we were in the strictest part of lockdown in France, like weren't able to go outside more than a kilometer. It was really intense. You know, those first two months, everyone was really scared. I would go out and I would walk in my neighborhood and I always loved traveling on trains. I, I just felt like I missed like walking to the train station and going somewhere, but like there was nowhere to go. I think being in lockdown at that time allowed me to kind of transport myself with those thoughts. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with the episodes that we accepted as from the creators is like have people be able to listen and be transported to wherever this person was. For me, it was out of that feeling that, okay, so what do we want to hear? 
when this is all said and done. We don't know how this thing is gonna go. We don't know how long it's gonna last. And maybe that, that question is something we can ask the world. And it's the first crowdsourced podcast that we ever did at Ochenta. I went out on a limb to you know, decide, okay, we're gonna do this podcast in the languages that we speak as producers at Ochenta. So I initially had like three or four languages and then it just kept going and going. I didn't want to say no to people because they just, they found the show and they just sent us their content in whatever language that they spoke, which was really nice. It's something that I never heard of before in any kind of show in the sense of how ambitious a show has to be to produce stories from around the world in more than 20 languages and get away with it, right? Like in that sense. But I think as a listener, like the boldness of Ochenta stories and the simplicity of it as well, because it still is a simple show. For me, it was a catharsis. I, I felt like we were making content that I would want to hear. And I'm really proud of the project. It's now been a year and a half. And you can listen to the episodes and hear how people progressively felt differently over the year and a half, right? I remember like everyone at one point was really into bread making and we, we documented that. <laughs> you know, we have stories of people doing their applause. That was so early on in the pandemic. You hear that story now, you're like, oh, I remember the first months. That's what that was about. And we have stories about how people got vaccine access. We have stories about people arguing over the dishes. It's, it's fantastic. And so much of it's so relatable because we were all in the same experience at that time. I think this is the power of Chenta stories. In a difficult time, it allowed us to have someone telling us that we were not alone. We are not alone. That's the greatest takeaway from these stories. And the best way to show that is by sharing some of our favorite episodes. Some of them moved us because they gave us a chance to try out new experiences as audio producers. Others, because they made us travel through sound to places we had never imagined before. Even places that are basically impossible to reach. And others yet, because in stories from such distant places, we managed to see ourselves. When I first produced Bonsai... It was one of my favorites because there's just this guy in, in Rome and he wrote this love poem to his plant and how it was his partner in pandemic time. And it was the first story we produced. Al centro di tutto c'è lui, un ficus ginseng. Sta seduto da oltre due anni sulla mia libreria a prendersi tutto il sole di Roma che entra dalla finestra. Il mio bonsai. I felt like we were giving people a, a platform and a stage to kind of tell their, their little quirky anecdotes or their happy or sad, whatever it is, like, tell us your story. And I remember producing it and thinking, yeah, this is going to be the perfect thing to start this, this show. Vaticinios in Spanish, which is called omens in English. Te imaginas todas las especies que van a volver, que vamos a redescubrir. Y es que, como dice el dicho, cuando el gato no está, los ratones hacen fiesta. It's the first episode I ever produced as fiction, as a podcast producer, but it's also the first thing I ever produced with 
a humorous tone as well. Dear Bicycles, it was about how Maria Clara, she had taken up cycling again during the pandemic and she hadn't gone bike riding since she was a child and she had taken up again during the pandemic because it was really the only way of transport that you can get around because you can't take the bus. I didn't ride a bike for a long time, possibly years, but when the pandemic started and after being in a strict lockdown in Spain, something changed. I experimented with a feeling that many people had and I began to have a certain phobia about closed spaces. It was just a really nice story about how she had discovered her love for biking and along the way, you know, as she was biking around the city, she would discover parts of the city that she wouldn't really see before and she just felt really present during the times that she was. So I thought that was a nice story and something I think that a lot of people could relate to. One that is really close to my heart is Alif Cairo because I voiced it in the Arabic version. So it, it meant a lot to me and it was the only voice work I've done at Ochenta. So th that for me was very special and I, I loved it. And, and especially that I had to record in my own language. It was amazing. And also I did it in, in formal Arabic, which is not always easy. Um, I had to like reread it many times and make sure I'm pronouncing everything really, really correctly. And because it was also very poetic. And since I also translated it, it, it was it was it was a whole experience. It felt like I was a huge part of the story, and it, it was very special to me overall. The Uchinta story episode that I liked to produce the most was probably Radio Insomnio, because in this short fiction set in Barcelona, a woman with chronic insomnia contemplates her city from her balcony in sort of a dreamlike state. Per molts, quan arriba la nit i el sol s'amaga entre les muntanyes, és el moment de donar el dia per acabat i deixar la realitat enrere. I think this was my favorite episode because it was in a very rare language that is Catalan, a language that we don't hear that often in media and also because I could sort of identify with the main character. I spent many nights awake contemplating the city. I loved cabling because I loved the poetic vision that the author had with the story. And I really loved the way he knew how to describe a moment of difficulty to his daughter as a letter with this metaphor of underwater cables. You'll resurface out of the dark, away from all of your fears. Anyways, it's it's been some tough months for everyone and, and I imagine you're 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 busy but I would love to hear from you soon. Call me back, honey. It was hard to relate to that because it was talking about things that you actually 
could not see, but it was able through his words to actually describe pictures that you could see with your eyes. And so I kind of wanted to do the same with the sound design. So I wanted to evoke a world. I just wanted to enrich it in some way. I also decided to use my choirs. I, I sang for, for that story and I loved both voice actors, the, the Korean one and the English one. 어둠 속에서 다시 모습을 드러낼 거야. 모든 두려움에서 벗어나라. Working on one story per week for 80 weeks is no small feat. And the journey was not without its challenges. Managing a hectic inbox with dozens of daily emails, producing stories in many languages, many of which we didn't speak ourselves, and working with people who didn't necessarily have audio storytelling experience, which led to all sorts of different recordings. Suffice to say, it was not easy. But the end result was more than rewarding. The most obvious challenge, but also the hardest, is the fact that you are dealing with languages that you don't understand or speak nor anything. So I only speak Spanish and English, but I also had to produce episodes in Korean and Italian, for example. And I think hearing the episodes and trying to find like the rhythm of them in a language I didn't understand also came from producing these kind of episodes. Because of course I worked with a script and a translation, right? So I, so I could follow along but also what, what really struck me as something really important from that process is that it was my obligation as a producer to trust another set of years for this podcast to be the best version it could be. And for me, as someone who really wants to have control over everything, that was really important like to give up in that sense. I produce stories in Polish, Vietnamese, Mongolian, and... It was beautiful because I was basically knowing how those languages sound, but it was also hard to adjust the sound design to those words. I also tried to adjust to that flow too, understanding how to explain to lots of authors how we proceed in order to make it very, very clear for them because not all of them were working in podcasting. The biggest challenge that I faced while producing these stories was talking to the writers, the people who conceived these stories in the first place, and who maybe weren't used to writing for audio and letting them understand that when we were making slight changes to their stories, it wasn't because they weren't beautiful, but just because we wanted to create immersive audio pieces that would allow our audiences also to feel in the place, in that time, together with the writer. We would help them adapt their anecdote or their you know, moment or their story or whatever into an audio story. And that in itself is so rewarding to see, but it was super challenging. And of course, to have to train people who had never recorded before. But I think that was the magic of it too, because you ended up with like extremely varied versions of audio. And it was great. I think there's something really beautiful in seeing how people recorded wherever they were. And you can see the difference, and it's also part of the point of the show. 
during its run, Ochenta Stories offered new beginnings to some of our producers. A career shift, the birth of a spin-off podcast, and even the serendipity of meeting a storyteller from the show in person and nurturing a blossoming friendship. Ochenta Stories for me meant the beginning of something. I kind of decided to slightly change my career during quarantine. And so Chanta Stories was the first project on which I was, I was working as a producer in this sense. So I really bring it into my heart because I remember it as the image of me doing something different and that I really liked the beginning of this thing. And beginnings are always really powerful. It meant to me like the entrance to the fiction podcast producer like experience and world in general. As a producer, I come from a really journalistic experience or formation or whatever. And since Ochenta stories share both nonfiction and fiction stories, like it was an incredible bridge for me to work in both types of episodes and trying to have like a really kind entrance to the fiction world in that sense, because we as journalists, we really struggle with what fiction can do and what fiction represents in a world that needs lots and lots and lots of journalism all the time. And I think Ochenta Stories is like a great anthology that shows that we need both all the time. And when we started Ochenta Cuentos, which is like the Spanish sibling of Ochenta Stories in a sense, we also wanted to tell stories of the pandemic, but also expanded a little bit further into other fiction territory, other subjects creators were, were maybe interested in, in pursuing. One of the people that came back to us with a story, her name was Nicole DeSante, and she did one of the best stories uh, on Ochenta Stories. Her story was called The Sword Dance. And so I joined the master's uh, classes this year. I just started my master's. And in the first week, I was sitting in the class and we were signing up for presentations uh, and the slots. And so it was up on the board. So I went up and I put my name and others did that. And one person did that. And then I look up on the board and it says Nicole DeSante. And then I'm like, Nicole, is that you? And then I'm like, are you Nicole DeSante Ochenta Stories? And she's like, are you Zena? And it was, it was a very funny moment. And it, it was crazy. Like we started talking and we became very good friends. And now we work on like radio podcast projects in uni, which is, which is amazing. I mean, this is a show about the pandemic. And it taught us how we met others online without actually knowing what they look like or their faces. But it did connect us somehow. At the beginning of every episode, you heard us ask the question that prompted every single one of these stories. But when it was our chance to respond to the question, what would you like to hear when this pandemic is over? It came as a surprise, or maybe not, that most of us had a very similar answer. When this pandemic is over, I would like to hear all these authors in one big room all together talking about their stories and talking about how their stories evolved, what happened after, if they do still recognize themselves in their stories. 
There are lots of stories that were describing a, a little moment of their life. And so I really would like to hear that. I would like to be in that room sharing all together the power of storytelling. I'd like to hear more Ochanta stories, but without the pandemic. <laughs> That's definitely what I want to hear. I definitely want to know more about cultures and more about people's stories. We don't have to have a pandemic to listen to all these beautiful stories. We can listen to everyone's stories, more languages, more celebrating cultures, everything that Ochanta already does. I think just actually just a continuation of the stories that were produced during the pandemic too. Just this was such a strange, bizarre time in, in all of our lives. And I think everyone went through this process of learning and growing and changing and evolving as a person and really just being a lot more introspective about themselves and the world around them. And so I think just more stories about how they grew or what they learned or how they think they changed um, from going through this experience. When the pandemic is over, I would like all of us to have a sort of historic memory of what happened. I would like all of us to turn to our neighbors, to the passersby, to the people we don't know, and reckon that we are all part of humanity, which is something that was clear during the pandemic. And now that the situation is getting better, we're kind of losing. And we are kind of turning to ourselves, I guess, and going back to being a bit selfish. <laughs> and that's what I would like to hear when this is all over, that we think of one another a little bit more. The pandemic is not over yet. And even though many countries now have high vaccination rates and are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, there's no way to know exactly when the pandemic will end. But what we can say is that in isolating us and preventing us from living our daily lives like we used to, from traveling, from celebrating, and from grieving together, it has, against all odds, brought us together. I think that Ochanta Stories made the most beautiful thing that a podcast could do during quarantine, which was not making me feel alone because I felt part of this global community of people that were sharing their feelings. And I was saying to myself, okay, so I'm, I'm not alone. But at the same time, I had the possibility to meet new cultures that I really didn't know and that during quarantine, of course, I would not be able to meet in any way. And Ochenta Stories made that real. So it made me travel. I really enjoyed it because it felt like I was still meeting new people in a time when you couldn't. It felt like you were still going to all these different places and traveling around the world. And it was a lot more comforting in that way because everyone was isolated and so each story felt like you, you really did feel like you know you were getting 
into a glimpse of someone's life within each of these stories and getting to know them and hearing what was going on with their life and how they were feeling and how they were coping with what we were going through. Each story had a really hopeful kind of message to it because in a lot of the stories it was they had either reconnected with friends or they discovered a new hobby or also reconnecting with family as well. I was also in that state too during the pandemic and it was nice for me to kind of also be able to convey that in a way. Ochenta's stories took me out of my loneliness during COVID. It made us feel a sort of communion with everybody, despite the fact that we were locked in our houses, confined within the walls, the four walls of our houses. It made us feel that we were part of something. And I think that we should listen back to these stories to get back to that feeling of communion that we had during the pandemic because I feel like we've sort of lost it over time and we tend to forget what we went through quite quickly. Maybe because we want to forget, but I think we should just listen back from time to time. It's a huge podcast. It's a huge show. It's done in so many languages. We've worked on so many. We've, we've translated so many episodes. We worked with people from all around the world. I think Ochenta Stories is the best way to present the, the values of Ochenta because it's all about being multicultural and multilingual and, and diverse. So I think that's everything Ochenta is in this one show. I've always wanted to have that motto of raising voices across cultures actually be represented across all of our shows. And I think Ochenta Stories was a really good example of that because we were able to tell the stories in those languages and then translate them and share them with the world. So for me, you know, the show really meant representing the values that I created with the company. So I'm very, very proud of that. I'm glad that people felt that they've traveled with, with our show when they couldn't. Thank you one last time for listening to Ochenta Stories. And a very special thanks to Lori, Maru, Glitzia, Chiara, Haley, and Zaina for sharing their memories and experiences working on this show. If you like what you heard, this is your last chance to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts in whatever language you choose. Follow us over at Ochenta Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram for updates. And don't forget to visit ochentastudio.com to hear more from us. And with that, we say goodbye. This might be the end of Ochenta Stories, but the driving force behind this show is just as strong in all our other titles. Join us as we do everything we can to raise voices across cultures and to bring us together through the power of stories. Thank you for listening. Until next time.
Hi, I'm Chiara Santella, and I'd like to recommend another podcast that we think you might like, Science in Times of Crisis, a show produced by the International Science Council and hosted by Holly Summers that explores the role of science and scientists in a world characterized by geopolitical instability. The five-episode series explores subjects such as conducting research in outer space and the Arctic, preserving knowledge in a war zone, and navigating the intricate world of science and diplomacy. Listen to Science in Times of Crisis on your favorite podcast app. Thanks!